This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Happy holidays! It is the Utopia Football Podcast, Week 16 mailbag edition week 16 man um it's uh it's me sean pendergast one half of pain and pendergast on sports radio 610 as always alongside my good friend the hall of famer our senior texans columnist at sports radio 610.com and gallery sports.com john mcclain john we're gonna make it to the end of this season i think man 16 weeks i feel like you and i have I feel like you and i have been out in the wilderness together surviving for 16 weeks doing this podcast but i i enjoy doing it but it would be much more enjoyable if we were covering a team that had more than one win and one tie. I was looking at playoff scenarios today and thinking about when we used to have to worry about playoff scenarios. Of course, the Texans won the division. Then they played the early game on Saturday. That's the one that's the least interesting. We knew that was coming. Just like during the draft, before they make their picks, there's always a commercial. There's not always a commercial with some of the popular teams, but those are things you just come to accept. And now it's kind of boring. You know, we're interested in the draft, uh, not the playoffs from a home perspective, but uh, hopefully someday while we're still alive, we'll be able to worry about the playoff scenarios again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I, I, you know, I do think there's some interesting stuff with these next two games just because of the teams that they're playing, obviously. that these are The two teams they're playing are in a dogfight all of a sudden for the top of the division. Give Jacksonville credit. They've done a really nice job lately, and Tennessee, who the Texans play this weekend, are sliding into the toilet right now. They're 7-7 seven and seven all of a sudden. Um, so we've got that. We've got a potential, likely, head coaching search coming, as you mentioned, a ton of draft talk. I think people are starting to to look at the team um, and go, okay, who are some of the guys? I'm just basing this on the questions we've got in the mailbag. So who are some of the guys at this team, the veteran guys they could be looking to keep that are starting to make some impressions, favorable impressions here late in the season. And we're going to get to all the mailbag questions, John, but I guess as far, and we're going to preview the game in our uh, podcast tomorrow, the Titans game a little more um, in a little more detail, but I guess the news coming out today, at least that I saw, uh, as far as the Titans game goes, I saw a report on the NFL Network from Tom Pelissero that uh, that Ryan Tannehill has, well, I think, what he categorized as an uphill climb to play in the game this this Saturday on Christmas Eve, which means that the Texans are likely to see for the second straight time Malik Willis as the starting quarterback for the Titans. 
Man, it didn't make a, any difference in the first game, and it won't make any difference in this game because Derrick Henry is going to play, and he rushes for 200 yards every time he plays against the Texans. So that game, the Texans beat them up physically. That was the first time that I thought the Texans had really embarrassed themselves. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Simmons just killed Kenyon Green. And um, that's why I'm so surprised at the way they played the last two games. They've played as well as they could with injuries. You know, they haven't gotten two teams that were finally tuned, ready to play against the worst team in the NFL, but that's beside the point. fact is they scared the pajabbers out of the Cowboys and the Chiefs, and it was fun to watch, fun to cover. And uh, now they play the Titans with a four-game losing streak. The Jaguars, who are the Jaguars, even though they played better lately. And then the Colts, without Jonathan Taylor, they might fool around and win another game. Yeah, you never know. Um, so, John, you think Derrick Henry's going for 200 again this weekend? Of course he is. He does every <laughs> time they play. Well, he does. <laughs> I think the key would be, is he going to get 250 with Malik Willis, a quarterback, I I would do this. I would put like eight to nine guys in the box, have a free safety, have have one guy split out wide, and I would dare them to throw the ball. Absolutely. Do everything you can to stop Derrick Henry. And if Malik Willis wants to throw to a wide open receiver down the field, fine, do it. Just don't let Derrick Henry beat you the way he always does. Yeah. Except last season when he was out. Right. Yeah. That was it was tough for him to beat the Texans in street clothes. Although I feel like in street clothes, he might have still run for like a, a buck fifty <laughs> against the Texans <laughs> if they let him. All right. Um, so it's a mailbag episode. A reminder if you want to email us a question. Uh, you've listened to these mailbag episodes. You say, you know what? I'd like them to answer my question. We're getting more and more great emails every week. We appreciate everybody who sends in a question. Even if we don't read it on here, it doesn't mean we don't appreciate it. And it doesn't mean it won't get read eventually. I've, I've got a kind of a holding tank of some questions that I think are probably better used once the season is over. So keep sending them in. Uh, they are thought-provoking for us, for sure. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. John, you ready to roll? I'm always ready. I know you are. All right, let's get to this. James Chisholm uh, sends us this question. Says, should the Texans sign and maybe overpay to get a really good veteran backup for Bryce Young so he's not being mentored by Davis Mills? James actually mentions Matt Ryan as a possibility. I don't know that Matt Ryan uh, – I, I don't know that Matt Ryan views himself as a, as a mentor for a young quarterback or a bridge quarterback yet, even though he plays like one, um, and that's being kind. Uh, this season but I guess just a general question John what should the strategy be for the Texans at quarterback if they draft Bryce Young with the first overall pick if they have a number a new coach uh, we don't know what he's going to think about anybody and if they want to keep Davis Mills on the roster to be the backup uh, for whenever the rookie is ready to play that's what they'll do I feel confident it's not going to be Jeff Driscoll or Kyle Allen, but I damn sure wouldn't overpay for a backup quarterback. And uh, there's no guarantee it's going to be Bryce Young. Um, there's a thing on the internet today with him talking about why he's staying at Alabama to play in his bowl game. And he, I'm looking at him in street clothes, and he, he looks like a student of which he is, of course, but then everybody is concerned about his size. Not that he's a little over 5'10", but he's so frail. 
He doesn't weigh 215 like Russell Wilson. He's not fast and, and compact and super quick like Kyler Murray. But everybody will tell you they're concerned about his health because of his body build. And there's no concerns about anything else. But uh, the new new coach or Nick Casario, they may decide they want somebody else. But uh, if they want Davis Mills as a backup, that's fine with me. Yeah, I think Davis Mills. I I definitely wouldn't just scrap Davis Mills. I mean, I think they're. This sounds crazy to say because Davis has not been good this year, but uh, it's a big league, and there's uh, there's plenty of backup quarterbacks in the league that I don't think are as talented as Davis Mills in. So there's definitely value to having him both as the, you know, with the Texans or, you know, if a team's dukes you a day three pick for him, maybe they want him as a backup or a project or something like that. Um, I, I think there's value. I do think, I do think it may make sense if your two quarterbacks are Bryce Young and Davis Mills probably would make sense to bring in a third guy. Who's an older guy just to, to be in that quarterback room. And especially now that you can park them on the practice squad, if you want to, um, you know, the practice squad is not just young players anymore. It's, it can be anybody. Um, so I think there might be some value to that. I guess, John, as far as Bryce Young goes, what do you think, what's the furthest he could fall based on the concerns over his size, do you think? Boy, I have no idea. It's way too early because they haven't even started scouting the guy. Yeah. You know, five weeks from now, nobody's going to be talking about his stats. Nobody's going to be talking about him staying at Alabama. It's all going to be at what he looks like in shorts and a T-shirt. And based on what I just saw of him wearing street clothes, People are going to see him and they're going to go, wow, he is small. Yeah. But then when they talk to him, he's a great talker. Ryan Fowler has been doing talk shows in Tuscaloosa for a long time. I go on with him every once in a while. And he said he'd never seen an Alabama player more impressive at the podium than Bryce Young. He's never seen a player at Alabama who was universally liked and respected, but also impressive to people yes. about his personality and the way he handles people and situations and criticism and praise. He's got everything you want, but the one thing you can't control. Yeah. And if you do take a quarterback like that, you better be sure you got a coach who can coach him to throw on the move, to slide to his right and left. Don't just stay in the pocket trying to throw between the, the linemen and it coaching a young quarterback is so essential. That's why the play caller, as we found out this year, and I blame Pep Hamilton for the regression of Davis Mills, not Davis Mills. Yeah. I think they've got to get somebody in here who can coach a quarterback like Bryce Young. And the reason I like him better than C.J. Stroud, Stroud's had great receivers for two years, the best yeah. of any quarterback in football. And Bryce Young did last year, but this year he has not had that kind of talent around him and he still excelled yeah no he's he's a he's a really good player it factor the whole nine yards i guess when i say how far could he fall john like i think of last year like this time last year it it wasn't thought that this quarterback class that just got drafted the kenny pickett class was going to be as as just uh uh frowned upon as they wound up being like malik willis who the texans are going to likely see this weekend desmond ritter guys like that have been talked about as first round picks they fell all the way to the third round for whatever reason like i I don't, I don't see, and do you see, like Bryce Young doesn't fall out of the first round because of his size. No, concerns. I don't think yeah. he'll fall out of the top 10. Somebody yeah. will take him because they say we can coach a guy like right. that. Drew Brees, when he came out, he was six foot and Michael Vick was six foot and a quarter. Mm -hmm. And that was considered small. 
Yep. Now, because Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray being a shade over 5'10", and Kyler Murray may not even be 5'10", that uh, people have changed their opinions, and also because of the success that Breeze had. But if Breeze hadn't had Sean Payton with him all those years and, and knowing how to use a quarterback who lacked height, and uh, and he never was a big runner, then his career may not have been on a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's why the coaching part is so just a paramount. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, Russell Wilson. If 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 he, Russell Wilson came along like six years later, he would have been a top five pick probably. I don't cry for Russell Wilson, John, because he's making up for it on the back end. He's get he's about to get paid a quarter of a billion dollars to suck for the next five years. Um, so I don't feel bad for him. All right, let's keep it moving here in the uh, mailbag. Uh, Mark Garcia sends in this one. This is more informational than anything else, but I wanted to put it in here, John, just because I don't, <laughs> I don't know that people are are necessarily aware of the rules of tie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply breaking in the draft now it's going to be really hard for a team to have uh, the same draft slot as the texans because of that tie but as mark points out it is still mathematically possible for the texans and the colts to finish with the same record it would have to be 4 12 and 1 and if that's the case and they tie for their slot their pick who gets the higher pick it's the team who has the strength it's a team who's easiest schedule easier schedule yeah a team whose strength of schedule is worse um, and with the Colts and the Texans, they would be they they would be uh, playing almost practically the identical schedule, other than three games. And I actually went and found the games, um, the three variable games for each of the teams. The Texans, it's Cleveland, Miami, and Chicago, and for the Colts, it's Pittsburgh, New England, and Minnesota. And right now, Pittsburgh, New England, and Minnesota, largely on the strength of the Vikings, have a um, have a better record and thus the Colts would be, let's say they tied for the first overall pick. The Texans would be picking first and the Colts would be picking second in that scenario. The thinking by the NFL is the worst you are against an easier schedule, the more deserving you are of the higher pick. It makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. Um, All right, John, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the next one here. Um, This is from Joe Q. Um, Joe Q says, um, that uh, he he points out that 15 of the last 20 uh, number one overall picks have been quarterbacks. Uh, and he ranks them actually on, on, in this email, he, he starts, he, he has Andrew Luck ranked first, Cam Newton ranked second. Um, he's got Eli Manning in here and Matthew Stafford all the way down to Jamarcus Russell is 15th among those. He asked what our ranking is. I think it's probably a little too detailed to go into like ranking one through 15 on a podcast, I think might get a little unwieldy. Um, I guess just a general question before I get to his follow-up, John, do you have a particular quarterback selected number one overall since David Carr, by the way, since David Carr that you would, that you would say is the best of all those among luck and Newton and Eli and Stafford Carson Palmer is in that mix as well. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's in that mix. The reason I wouldn't pick Andrew luck is because of the way his career ended. Yep. Andrew could have been on the way to the hall of fame had he kept playing. 
But Joe Burrow right now is tearing it up. The Bengals are tearing it up. He went to the Super Bowl in his second year. He blew out his knee in his first year. He's a great leader. He's tough in mentally and physically in cold weather and warm weather. I think Cincinnati is built to last. And plus, Joe Burrow's younger. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, and the book is closed on a lot of these guys. Obviously, Cam Newton is on that. I think I mentioned him as is on that list as well. Um, the follow-up question I really like though, John, and I'm going to pull up his list here right now. Um, just for, just for reference sake. Um, cause I think it's an interesting way to couch this question. So he's, he's got his ranking of number one overall picks at quarterback, starting with one, um, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, two, Eli three, Carson Palmer, four, Joe Burrow, five, and this is just his ranking. He probably has Burrow down there cause he has only played a couple of seasons. Matthew Stafford, six, Alex Smith, seven, Jared Goff, eight, Trevor Lawrence, nine. I'm going to stop there just because I don't need to go too much further for this question. And his follow-up question is, um, is uh, I'm willing to take a chance on missing a Hall of Famer. Or Hang on a second. What is your answer to as long as the quarterback we would take with the first overall pick is as good as X, I'm willing to take a chance on missing out on a Hall of Famer at a different position. In other words, John, how good a quarterback Alex is Smith because he used to go to the playoffs, but he had a really good coach too. Yeah, yeah. So, so Alex Smith. So even if you passed on Calvin Johnson, but you got Alex Smith as your quarterback, you would be cool with that because you would be a consistent playoff performer. And if Nick Casario can draft the other things correctly, you, you might win a Super Bowl along the way. There's a lot of quarterbacks right now who are not taken high or in, who are going to be in the playoffs. Yep. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl and not just make the playoffs, you know, you got to hope that it's Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or John Elway or Terry Bradshaw, Troy Aikman, those guys that come out as no-brainer number one picks. And right now, and there's a lot of time to go, Yep. After everything is done, the combine, the senior bowl practices, pro days, private workouts, it could be that everybody goes, C.J. Stroud, the consensus is that kid, anything you want, and you might take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis. And forget about what Will Levis did in college. They always forget about what they did in college statistically. Um, maybe one of them will clearly be number one. Unfortunately for the Texans, every time they've had the first overall pick, there has not been a clear consensus generational quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow, which has been their misfortune. Yep. And I don't think there's a Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow there this year either. No, no. And everybody's saying next year it's Caleb Williams, but I don't want to wait around for a year hoping that you get the number one overall pick yeah, again this year. There's no sucked. guarantee you would get him anyway. Right, right, right. Remember when everybody said Spencer Rattler's going to be the number one pick? I do, John. I remember that. I remember it well. Um, so I guess along those lines, and even I said, John, you and I were talking on this podcast, and I said, you know, if they draft, whoever they draft number one overall, if he winds up being Dak Prescott, I would be okay with that. Like Dak Prescott is an upper third of the league, solid quarterback. Yeah, he's not, he's not Peyton Manning, but you know, as you can tell from this list, I mean, the graveyard is full of guys, you know, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Alex Smith, you know, and, and Alex Smith is in the upper half of number one overall picks at quarterback over the last two decades. So I would be cool. Like if, if, if they draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and he winds up being the, the equivalent of Dak Prescott, I'm fine. Let me ask you this, just a quick either or, John. 
Would you rather have seven years? Forget about the Super Bowls. I get, I'm not talking about Eli winning two Super Bowls. I'm just talking about the quality of the player. Would you rather have seven years of Andrew Luck or 15 years of Eli Manning? Seven years of Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. He was a better quarterback. Yep. And now you're shopping again in seven years, and we see how that's gone for the Colts. But I'm with you. If you if you do the right thing, Colts didn't do the right things around Andrew Luck. They they had a they had rags for an offensive line in front of them until it was until it was way too late. Good question, Joe Q. I like that one. I like the hypotheticals like that. That was good. Yep, absolutely. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Charles Honeycutt asks, uh, I'm currently at the Texans Chief game as we as I type this, looking at the vast majority of fans, and it's a complete embarrassment over 90 percent chiefs fans do you expect the mcnairs to make sweeping changes besides just the coaching it feels like the heart of the team isn't there um john that was that that on sunday was probably the most that i've ever been in in it probably in any nfl stadium where a home game has felt like a road game yeah i expected it chiefs fans they travel well they're all over houston because fans for most teams are all over Houston out of our 6 million in the area. So I expected it to be that. And I'll tell you what, you don't make, if you make decisions based on the fans, they always say you're doomed to be sitting with them. Yeah. That's the last thing you pay attention to is the fans or media, because if you pan to them and you keep losing, you're going to go, Oh my God, why didn't we do what we thought we should have done? Make the decisions you believe should be made. And if they backfire, you can't blame anybody but yourself and you're so you're but you're saying that in response to this question you're saying that because i think a lot of people say that about coaches about gms you know hey draft bryce young because you need to sell tickets that's what you're talking about there are you saying that goes even to ownership as well like the mcnairs need to they need to be not indifferent but they need to uh, they they need to appropriately factor in the environment in the stadium and make sure it doesn't overtake the overall decision-making, like say to fire a general manager. Exactly. If you are a general manager, you're paying him to do a job. You stay out of it and let him do his job. And if he consistently fails, which Nick Casario has not had a chance to do, then you fire him and you start over. Yeah. All right. Next one, John, Alex Kamek says, which current players would you say, the Texans have that have shown you enough and are the right age to be considered foundational players, players that could start right now for a playoff team, or you think are likely to be at that level in a couple of years, not counting guys like Kirksey and Malik Collins and Jerry Hughes that are stop gaps and probably too old to be around when the Texans make it out of this rebuild. I, yeah. I mean, there's a handful of them, John, obviously, but if, who are the first ones that come to mind? If you were power ranking the guys on this, the young players on this roster that you feel confident are foundational pieces for the future. What would your list look like? Well, I don't have to be young players. I think Malik Collins is going to be around three or four years. 
if they have a good draft this year and they get the right coach and coordinator, they could turn around and be competitive in 2023, maybe even a wild card contender in 24. The key is you got to consistently draft high like Detroit and Jacksonville and those teams that, that are always among the worst. And eventually you hope it'll pay off because you have the right person in place. But so often those bad teams do not. You know, Damian Pierce would be the first one. Mm -hmm. Nico Collins been a disappointment because he's been hurt too much and he was showing flashing some talent. You know, there's nobody at tackle offense. I mean, at tight end. Uh, offensive tackle, Laramie Tunsil, the tackles play their 35, 6, 7 today. Laramie's playing great in pass protection. I think Titus Howard can start at right tackle. Or in the case of Sunday, they moved him to left guard, which was a smart move because Charlie Egg is a better right tackle than Justin McRae is a left guard. Kenyon Green, I certainly haven't given up on him. Stingley, Petrie, Christian Harris. The only defensive lineman, you know, Grenard, they've had such high hopes for him, but he's been hurt two years in a row. Yeah. But next year is a contract year. Maybe he'll stay healthy. Jonathan, I think, could be a consistent double-figure sack guy if he could stay on the field. And uh, guys like Desmond King and Steven Nelson, no, I don't think anybody else in the secondary only, and I'm not sure about Garrett Wallow. Mm -hmm. You know, he had, they, they start two linebackers, Kirksey and Harris had high hopes for Wallow coming into this season and just don't know. And then I think their special teams players are good enough to be around for a while too. Yeah, no, they've, they've, I, I, you, I think you touched on all the ones I'm thinking of. You might've even gone beyond with some of the other guys you named. I, 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 I think there's, maybe 10 guys on this team that I think I would categorize as potential foundational players, you know, young guys that you envision on a second contract or veteran guys that have, that have outperformed what we think. And you go, you know what, this guy and Malik Collins, I agree with you. Like he might fit that. He's not, he's not an old player. Like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison guys like they're old. Rex Burkhead is old for football standards. Um, but Malik Collins is, I think he was drafted in 2016. I mean, that's still, you know, he's, he's a year older than Deshaun Watson, you know? Um, so John is funny before we get to the next question, cause this kind of plays into the, the question that Alex just asked. And this is a visual thing, not an audio thing, but I'm looking at a picture. I'm going to show it to you. It's a picture that was a graphic in an email that Amy got today to season ticket holders, basically an email to season ticket holders saying, Hey, do you want to buy more season tickets? Um, and it's a picture, as you can tell, there's eight players in the picture that are all sort of lined up, all no, no helmets on, looking at the camera. They've all got their, you know, they all got their either smiling or they got their game face on or whatever. I think it's a really interesting picture because that that to me, stuff like this is interesting because it's indicative of who the team sees as sort of the marketable guys, the face of the team. And you see who the player is that's at the forefront of the whole the eight players, the little mini sort of triangular, you know, pyramid stance they've got, who the very front is. Damian it's the best player. Their best, best player, player. Damian. Any more Damian Pierce as it was a fourth round pick, and if Casario gets him in the fourth round with all these, he's got eleven picks coming up, two ones. Maybe he'll hit a few more like him and Petrie. And I certainly haven't given up on Stingley just because he was hurt. Ne neither have they, because uh, Pierce at the front and center that that of this picture is flanked on one side by Stingley, and the other side by Jalen Petrie. And there's two other rookies in this shot: Kenyon Green. And Christian Harris, the other three players, Nico Collins, who uh, he needs to stay healthy. Like I, I, 
I like Nico when he's on the field. And then the veteran players that are on here are Laramie Tunsil and Jerry Hughes. What I find interesting about this picture, John, among the things I just pointed out, or uh, in addition to the things I just pointed out, you know who's not in this picture? Brandon Cooks. Not in well, the Brandon picture. Cooks ain't going to be back here. Right? I know, I, I know, but I think that's confirmation. You it's know? history. Like, we, I, you know, we might have been saying that same thing about Laramie Tunsil this time last year, John, when he had kind of quit on the Texans. Well, he had been, but I never thought that uh, with his contract they were going to be able to trade him. Yeah. I thought they're going to trade him at the trading deadline. But I bet you never Cowboys. thought he'd be. A, I never. I, th I bet you never thought he'd be a captain. No, I never thought Laramie Tunsil be a captain. That's for certain. Yep. Um, all right. Next one from our guy Wale in Virginia. Um, this a lot of Texan fans asking this question after this past week. Um, why wasn't Royce Freeman the number two option already, even when Damian Pierce was healthy? What's keeping him from being the RB1 for this team right now? I would say the love affair with Rex Burkhead would be the first thing that might be blocking him. But he, Royce Freeman looked pretty good against the uh, Chiefs on Sunday. He averaged 4.6 yards of carry. He ran harder. And it's another example to me of Pep Hamilton doing a bad job of using players like for Rex Burkhead to get more carries than Pearson that first tie against Indianapolis. There was nobody on the planet except maybe Burkhead's family and maybe even Burkhead's family knew Damian Pierce should be getting more carries than him, except Pep Hamilton. And then Lovey Smith had to step in after that game and say, okay, let's make sure we get the ball more to Pierce. And the fascination that he has with Burkhead, which we have not been able to figure out all year. Royce Freeman, you wonder he was there. He's carried the ball in the past. They've got him on tape and they kept him buried. Maybe they're secret weapon keeping him for next year. Uh, yeah. yeah. But he definitely should get most of the carries for the rest of the season. Is Freeman though, John, is Freeman not getting the, the playing time to this point? Is that on Pep or is that on Nick? Because Royce Freeman's been on the practice squad. Like, can, can Pep go to – I mean, does Pep have that sort of stroke to go, hey, call this guy up, I need him, I need Royce Freeman, or is that Nick making that evaluation? And then once he's on the 53, then it's on Pep to use the guy. Yeah, Lovey Smith makes a game day roster decisions, and I'll mm -hmm. guarantee you if they told Nick Casario, we want to play for Pep – I mean, Royce, Royce Freeman, Freeman, he'd say fine. Yeah, probably so. You're probably right about that. It's on the coaches. Uh, all right, next one, Pharmacist Glenn. Based on the fact that a less talented 2022 Texans team played a closer game against the Chiefs and were actually in the game until the end than a more talented team in 2019 in the infamous playoff game, would you say Lovey had a better coached team than Bill O'Brien did that day? Absolutely not. That game was a playoff game. Give me a break. You're going to get the best the Chiefs had. This game, the Chiefs are looking ahead and scared the heck out of them, and they pulled it off, but that's the only comparison. I would say that they were both guilty, both coaches of questionable fourth-down decision-making in each of those games. I would say Lovey Smith punting on fourth and one from midfield as a one and 11 and one team, uh, up, up by a touchdown at that point. Uh, was questionable, and then O'Brien opting for a field goal up 21-0 and then fake punting just injured Justin Reed. I would say that they uh, they both failed in the fourth down decision-making uh, in, in each Absolutely, of those games. Absolutely, among other ways. Yep, exactly. All right, our friend Chris in the ATL uh, says this. Um, if the Texans do secure the number one pick, knowing that this franchise and fan base has been knowing what this franchise and fan base has been through in recent years, I say this is the most critical number one pick in the history 
of the Texans to get right. Taking it a step further, I could argue it's the most critical number one pick in Houston sports history, John. Is that too extreme of a take, Chris wants to know? Chris, absolutely. That's preposterous. Number one pick in franchise history is important coming off two and 14 season in 2014. That number one pick was important. Uh, when you when you're so bad, you get the number one pick. The interest is down. Criticism is that it's epitome. And uh, what they, every decision they should make should be what they think is best to help them win, not to appease media or fans. Well, yeah, and I don't know that Chris is necessarily – I don't think he, – he's not saying that in his question. He doesn't say should they do this to appease the fans. But I do think, John, the way you lay that out, he all he's asking is this the most critical – he asked two things. Is this the most critical number one pick in Texans history to no. get right? And then he, and hang on. And then he says, is the most critical number one pick in Houston sports history. I just don't have the bandwidth right now to do that comparison. I do think that you can make a case that this one is more important than the other three that they've had, John, because of where this fan base is right now and this franchise is. John, you you and I were there. That was an Arrowhead Stadium South game. Like even even when they were picking number one in the draft the other three times, it was never like this, especially the expansion one. I mean, people people were rabid for the Texans then. And I would submit that even when uh, Gary Kubiak came in in 2006 and they're picking number one overall, and when Bill O'Brien came in and they were picking number one overall, those were, those were he- much, from a business standpoint, way healthier. And I think even from a roster standpoint, especially in 2014, a much healthier franchise. This is a roster that's the worst in the history of the team. And this is the lowest point they've ever been with this city. Um, I'm not saying they, they should pick what makes the fans happy. I am saying they need to get the pick right for the, for what you're talking about to start winning again. You said it earlier in this podcast, like you, you stack up these high picks and if you get them right, that's how you turn things around. I think Chris has a great point on it being the most critical one in the history of the team. Well, I disagree respectfully. And I also disagree. It's the worst roster. When I think about some of those early rosters they had and a constant turnover they had, yeah. they had no offensive firepower and car was terrible. The coaching was awful, but it's important. Of course. <laughs> no, it's important. I mean, John, it's not like your description right there. doesn't describe this team. Also. The best one, the best one they ever had was the one O'Brien took over because Kubiak lost like eight games for by a touchdown or last. Oh, that's crazy why I injuries. Gary should have gotten another season. And uh, I think if he had not gone back to Matt Schaub yes. and Bob McNair wanted to see what Case Keenum could do for the rest of the season, Gary would have coached another season. Yeah, no, his loyalty to Schaub did him in, no doubt about that. All right, John, we got two more. Let's fire away at these. Um, this is from Matthew Kosecki, who was angry that we didn't answer his question from last week's mailbag, by the way. Sorry, Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, so Matthew, I told you, we don't get to all of them. Some of them we save, and I saved one of yours for later, so it's all good. He says, here's my question today. It's short and sweet. I think we should give Casario some credit for the smidgen of continuity among starters with the veterans. I know the Brit and the Murray contracts aren't awesome. I think he's talking about Eric Murray. That's more of an O'Brien deal, but Casario did extend him. But anyways, uh, Matthew says, Des King, Malik Collins, Jerry Hughes, Kirksey, Steven Nelson, and most importantly, Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil are guys that are going into next year as hardworking blue-collar vets that I like having on the roster. Question, do you think the Texans are ready to be spenders in free agency this offseason and add an influx of premier talent, or will we see more mid-tier guys like they've added in the past? I think they'll spend uh, on a couple of big free agents, probably one on each side of the ball at need positions, 
and they got a lot of them. Center might be one for offense. Tight end might be one for offense. Uh, I wish we'd seen more of Tegan Quatoriano who has two touchdown passes. I'd like, I wish he'd have been able to play more this season. And uh, but anyway, I think they'll spend money, good money on at least two free agents for the first time since Casario has been there because he hadn't been in that situation knowing they weren't going anywhere uh, till they get to the playoffs. And now they're at a point cap wise where I think he can do that. Yeah, John, if there's anywhere I want to see them invest in free agency, it's it's in the trenches. It's it's on the offensive line and the defensive line. I think those are the most predictable positions to go for in free agency, in part because the ball's not in your hands. It seems like sometimes running backs are a crapshoot. Wide receivers are so quarterback dependent. Uh, tight ends can be a crapshoot as well. I if, if, if Nick went and splurged a center, I think is a great idea, like you just said, um, to go get a veteran center for the the – and not just in Brit, like not, not, not a guy that's a, uh, you know, a, a coming a, off it, major knee surgery. Yeah. Damaged a distressed asset. I mean, I want a blue chipper uh, or as close to it as you can get in free agency, I suppose. And especially cause that's not a position that the teams franchise tag a lot of guys, you know, high end centers can hit free agency because if I'm not mistaken, franchise tag is just offensive line. It's not tackle. It's just offensive line. And obviously the tackles drive that price up. And, um, and, uh, you know, so it gets a little pricey for the interior guys. I think I'm correct on that, that that's how they do the franchise tag. Um, so I'm with you. I, I think he's going to spend, he's got the heat. Nick himself has brought up the cap space in interviews. You know, he's, he's acknowledged the amount of cap space that they're going to have. I gotta, I gotta think John, he's chomping at the bit to not have guys like Des King and Malik Collins be his splurges in free agency anymore. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, he'll still sign something like that, but yeah, and he's not going to spend stupid money. He's not going to try to win March like Jacksonville does every year. But yeah, he will spend money where we'll go. Well, it's about time. Is this a place you think free agents will want to go? And I know what your answer is going to be. All you got to do is pay them. If you pay yeah, them, they will go. come. There you go. Uh, last one, John. How many Texan wins would it take in 2023 for you to allow Willie McGinnis to punch you square in the face one time? Uh, uh, nine because that would make him a wild card contender. I love that you, you actually have. I love that you have a number and that it, it's that low. Like you, the, you're so you are. He's so, right-handed. The punch was left-handed, and so I I take a shot for nine wins. Okay, he's got to punch you. With, okay, for those who don't know what we're talking about, just Google Willie McGinnis TMZ, and it'll pop right up. Willie McGinnis got arrested on Monday for a, an altercation that he was involved in in a West Hollywood nightclub over the weekend where he basically just went up to some dude sitting in a booth. I'm guessing there was beef between the two of them, I would hope. Obviously. Yeah, Um. and, and he, he went up to the guy, started to say something to him. Guy stands up out of the booth. Before the guy can even get to a full stand to talk to Willie McGinnis or get in his face, Willie McGinnis just hauls off and blasts the guy. I mean – waylays the guy in the face and then three of willie mcginnis dudes jump in and start doing a soprano style beatdown on the guy and mcginnis jumped in there as well and th there's four guys beating up this then dude. he picked up a bottle and hit the guy with a bottle a couple of times and willie yes. is six five and 275 and looks like he can still go like he's not you know he he works willie mcginnis like he, he ain't willie rofe you know like he, like you know he's 400 pounds after he got out of the game like Willie McGinnis looks like he could put on a uniform and still look the part out there. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So, okay. So nine wins would get it done for you, huh, John? It would. Okay. Yeah. It's just one punch. It'll be I don't fine know. this time next year. I don't know, man. That I think it'd be in a wild card race. I need 13. I, I got to be in the division. I got to be in the mix for the number one seed. I need that first round buy. I'm, I'm 13 is my number. I think 13, I can safely, I can safely hope for the, the first round by the one seed with 13, 13 and four gets that done. Right. Probably. Uh, maybe. 11 and six. Never or know. What is it? Last year, the Titans got it. They were like 12 and five or 11 and six. I or thought you were like. talking about home field advantage through the playoffs. Well, that's what it gets you. It gets you the one seed, gets you the home field advantage through the playoffs because the Super Bowl is on a neutral site. I think 13 would get it maybe this year. Yeah. 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 The, well, the Eagles, not in the NFC because the Eagles already have 13. Um, so it might take more. Nine, John, that's impressive. That is a. Uh, I feel like the McNairs need to create another wall for you up in the press box for that answer. They, you've already got one. I feel like one is enough. Okay. All right. Um, all right, John, I think that's it. That was a fun mailbag. You guys did a good job on those questions. Um, it's going to be fun as the draft approaches to hit more of these. John, what do you got going on on all your various platforms? I'm writing about for gallerysports.com. I'm writing about the Texans and the draft and for sportsradio610.com. I'm writing about more about the Texans and the Titans and what could happen in this game now it affects both teams. John, did you see my uh did you see my um Christmas sweatshirt? I did. It looks good. Hold you know, the door, hold the door. That's where it came from. Ho 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 door. John, I'm putting it on a T. You remember what show this is from? Of course. I told you where that came from. Hold the door. Yeah, John, I'm just saying. I hold the door. Hold no. the door. Hold, hold, what hold, show hold, the name hold. of the show, John? Game of Thrones. Thank you. God, that's man. It's like I needed the jaws of life to get that Game out of you right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thrones. All right. So tomorrow, John, we're going to preview the Titans and the Texans. I know you're ready I for that. I look forward to it. I'm ready to roll on that. And a little for real or? Gazy. Gazy. Yes, we'll do that tomorrow as well and preview the weekend that will be uh, around the NFL. Uh, John, enjoyed it as always. Thank you very much, John. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. To you and Amy and everybody who is tuned in to our Utopia podcast. Absolutely. And Figgy Fig as well. Figgy Fig getting that podcast out to all of you. We appreciate him. We appreciate all of you downloading, sharing it, um, uh, subscribing to it, rating it, especially when you give good ratings to it. That helps. Every little bit helps. So we, uh, we appreciate that as well. So until next time, which will be tomorrow, I'm Sean Pendergast. He's John McClain. We're out of time. We will see you all tomorrow for the preview of Week 16 version of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.